Busy Work is on the air. Today, we're interviewing O'Shannon Burns. O'Shannon is a connection from Andrew Nelson, one of our guest instructors this year at the College of Charleston. He's been discussing strategic narrative, especially as it applies to hospitality and tourism. With over a decade of experience in areas including sustainability, conservation, and tourism, I'm looking forward to hearing more from O'Shannon and her insights into how sustainability has grown into a critical part of business decision-making. O'Shannon, welcome to the Busy Work Podcast, and tell us more about your work history and experience. Thank you for having me, Corey. I love to talk about what I do because I don't have a very traditional background. Uh, Even working at National Geographic, you find yourself among a lot of people who, you know, maybe thought that they would work uh, in a more traditional job in academia, um, but, you know, kind of find themselves more interested in the intersection of science and people and storytelling. And that's kind of always been my interest as well. I trained as a scientist, but I was always more interested in the more practical applications of science and how it affects us and our world. And so that uh, really led me um, at National Geographic to work with a variety of explorers who were really doing different uh, work in their respective fields and thinking about how we could support them. And then sort of jumping sideways into the travel industry uh, because I had that strong network of explorers and supporting National Geographic travel program, um, developing trips on all seven continents to really immerse people in the science and exploration that Nat Geo Explorers were doing. So I would say that's kind of the lens that I bring to my work in general, which is how can we help people really understand science and sustainability and how can we um, make it really essential to people's lives. So yeah, now I'm, I kind of split my time. I uh, work at Cornell part-time focused within the Cornell Business School on sustainability and tourism. And then I also have my own consulting practice where I get the opportunity to work on a bunch of different projects, which is is really fun for me. I consider myself a a generalist um, who likes to do a lot of different things at any given time. And so I've sort of been able to build that career for myself where I'm every month I'm working on a different project. What, uh, what area of science was, was your, your early focus that, that developed into all of these things? I studied physical geography, climate change, and environmental science. So I, leaving college, really thought that I would be a field scientist uh, working on climate change. And you, you've really turned that into a sustainability field for yourself, right? You've kind of created an, uh, a whole a whole focus that you can build yourself from the ground up. It's interesting. As I was out in the world working, I really became 
interested again in the in the practical applications of science. And for example, instead of spending my time researching climate change, how could we rebuild cities, rebuild industries, uh, rebuild small businesses? That's one of my passion areas is mm. working with small businesses and organizations to really address big challenges like climate change. Your work history from the beginning has focused on sustainability. How has this this concept of, of quote, sustainable, unquote, grown and developed over the past 10 years? And where do you see things going in the next 10 years? Yeah, it's really interesting to work, to look back. Uh, I, I Things have changed a lot in many different ways. I mean, even the vocabulary that we use, I don't, I don't like to you know, get into definitions. But when I was first starting my career, you know, a lot of people were talking about greening yes. spaces or greening places. And one of the things that uh, has always felt necessary to me and is more integrated into into the sustainability movement now is that environment and people should not be separate. And um, so there's some incredible writing that's been done about this in the past few years, uh, really looking at the intersectionality between environmentalism and other uh, people issues, things like diversity, equity, inclusion, um, justice. And uh, I, I really feel that this is critical. I don't think that we can take on big environmental issues without understanding us complicated humans um, <laughs> and how we live in this world. And so it's been really exciting to see the field become more intersectional and honestly more interdisciplinary. And that's why when I say I'm a generalist, I get to work with so many different people who are really experts in a variety of things, whether that's engineering or social science or climate, um, biodiversity. So it really, I think the field has also advanced in understanding that we need people that come from a variety of backgrounds to really contribute their knowledge to solving these issues. Those changes in, in terminology, and I'm, I'm with you 100%. I remember when they used to talk about green policy and, and, and really don't hear that as much anymore because sustainable is, is really the term. And I like sustainable because it covers so many different things um, and architecture and design and, and beyond. Let's say if we could look 10 years from now, what do you think will be the next thing that's going to develop out of this whole movement towards sustainability? One of the most exciting things about sustainability is that I, I truly can't answer that question. And I, I think that people people who are excited by that, um, I am one of them, you know, thinking about what the future could be is so exciting. And then thinking about how that future could be something more positive. Uh, it, it, I, I think it's it just is really what motivates me in my work. And I can talk about a couple of areas um, where I see a lot happening. So one is um, the conversation around climate change and, and specifically climate justice and using this climate justice lens to really drive what we're doing in future. There's a lot of pressure right now on uh, governments and companies who have made 
some commitments around climate change. But I think that the, the justice and equity lens is more interesting because it forces us to understand how what this means for our lives. And I think that that's much more real for people. And it's really the way I think to focus what we're doing in this space. Um, another area that I'm really passionate about is uh, supply chain, which doesn't get people as excited necessarily, but especially in tourism. Supply chain is so interesting because when you look at tourism businesses, like let's say a hotel, for example, there's the impact that that hotel can have on a place. What's more interesting to me is starting to think about all the ways, positive and negative, that that hotel impacts the broader community. And that's the, the true supply chain, right? So what food are they serving in their restaurant? Is that food being sourced locally? Uh, what, um, you know, who are the people that are making that food? Um, how many jobs are being created to get that food to the traveler's plate? I think there's a lot of interesting work happening there right now, but I also think that there's so much innovation to be done in that space. And I got to work on a really cool project a few years ago, looking at how uh, restaurants could eliminate single-use takeout containers and instead transition to a reuse system. And it was technology-enabled. It was a truly circular system. And I, I, I am excited about things like that, too, that really require us to flip on our head the whole way that we're thinking about uh, sustainability and thinking about how we live our lives. You know, we really have to make some large scale changes to address these issues. And that will be challenging, but I think it also can have added benefits. And for example, we've been learning that a lot of uh, the containers that we order takeout food in are full of chemicals that are bad for us. So making this change to reusable takeout could also have health benefits for our communities. Asking people about the future is always interesting because it's fun to speculate. But uh, you know, my joke now recently is if if in 2019, I was, what's going to happen in the next five years? No <laughs> one would have said, oh, guess what? In 2020 is going to be really weird. But COVID and the pandemic, it really, really disrupted travel and tourism to an extent that that I think was even surprising to people that, that don't think about those industries. How is that industry adapting? You mentioned supply chain as well, which, which is a, a significant role in travel and tourism. How is the industry adapting and changing to meet the new demands post-COVID and, and considering the possibility that that same thing could happen again soon? I think the last part of what you said is the most essential, and it's the part that keeps me up a, a little bit at <laughs> night. Uh, it's a, I think it's a really great time to talk about this, and I hope that we keep talking about it because I do, you know, recently in the United States, it was declared that the pandemic is officially over. And I have definitely felt over the past few months in the industry that there is a breath of we, okay, whew, we made it and we're out of the pandemic. And there were some fantastic conversations that were happening deep in the pandemic 
that could still happen. These are ideas that we could still move forward. So I'm hopeful the industry won't forget, as you just yeah, mentioned. That's a good point. How how difficult the the COVID pandemic was and the changes that really do need to be made to make the industry more resilient. And to really answer your question about, you know, what I saw happen with the pandemic and the travel and tourism space, it, it was really interesting because actually kind of two things were happening. One was certain destinations just had no travelers. And in some cases, governments completely locked down and travelers weren't allowed in for years. So in those destinations, if there were places or businesses that were overly reliant on tourism, you know, it was very difficult for those communities. I do like to highlight uh, my friend, Api Mavono, did some interesting work during the pandemic in the Pacific Islands, looking at how people who worked in the tourism industry there were faring during the pandemic because of course these islands are quite remote and you have to fly to get there so they were heavily impacted by the pandemic and one of the interesting things that he found was that many of the indigenous people in the south pacific actually went back to the skills that they have built through millennia as a culture to really build their resilience. And because they still had communities who held that knowledge and those skills, they were able to fare okay, even in the absence of what we consider, you know, traditional economic activity or, uh, you know, exchange. And so I, I think it's really important to observe some of that, think about um, as people, <laughs> how we can be more resilient in future. Um, the other big thing that happened is that some destinations were completely overrun by tourists. And we saw this a lot in the United States, especially um, near parks and outdoor areas. And so it's been really interesting to watch that as well. In those communities, a lot of people have started to push back against the tourism industry. And so now, the industry is in some cases in a tough spot where it's really maybe for the first time having to communicate its value to the local community. A lot of times in the travel industry, we communicate our value to tourists and, you know, we use metrics like the number of jobs created or the amount of money that is coming into a community because of tourism. But as issues around tourism started to mount, a lot of communities were saying, are we sure this is what we want? Are we sure this is good for us? And it spurred some really interesting conversations. And from over-tourism to the idea of regenerative tourism, which I know is something that you're very passionate about, what is regenerative tourism, first of all? And, and why do you think the idea is gaining popularity? I just, as we talked about before, how the idea of what sustainability is has really evolved. I think that this idea around regenerative tourism, which by the way, is, is it's not a new idea, but it is gaining popularity, um, <laughs> is, is, uh, is 
it's significant. And I'll uh, try to communicate the significance to me by giving an example, which is that when I was at National Geographic, we did some interesting surveying around sustainability, specifically in the tourism context. And what we would find is that most people who we would survey would say, yes, I want to travel more sustainably. And then we would ask them, okay, great. So what does that mean? And in in one of the surveys that we did, (laughs) the top two responses were, one, I need to stay in really high-end eco-luxury resorts. And the other was I need to bring my Tupperware with me when I travel so that I'm not, you know, generating garbage, my water bottle and Tupperware. And so you see, I mean, that is so uh, far away from what true sustainability in tourism means. It, it has some, you know, the, the Tupperware aspect is getting at some of the operational aspects that travel companies need to take on to make sure that their businesses are not uh, damaging the place where they're located. But true sustainability is also about understanding local cultural and natural assets and making sure that they are preserved for the long term. And also that communities are really integrated into tourism and have not just a voice, but I think should be the central voice in making decisions around tourism. And so what I have found is that the idea of regenerative tourism, that when we travel to a place, we should not be making that place worse. We should be a part of what makes that place better it really resonates with people and they understand it much better than the concept of sustainability in the tourism context. And so that's been really exciting for me. And then the other aspect of regenerative tourism that I really like is that, again, it looks at a more holistic picture of how to approach these issues and is really integrating the science, which of course I love, and data, typical quantitative data, but it's also integrating a lot of the held knowledge by communities, indigenous people, that is really necessary to have a a full understanding of place and how we can regenerate places. You, I hear people talk about farm to table and I'm like, farm to table is what my great, great grandparents did every day. That was, <laughs> exactly. that, it's not a new concept. It's just that we've kind of rediscovered it. <laughs> exactly. And, and I think, I, I think now, and again, I, I, I think we can attribute some of this, to the pandemic, our understanding the importance of it, that it's not just about uh, the sustainability of our land and food systems, which it is about, but it is also about the resilience of our businesses to global impacts. It's about the resiliency of local people. And I think that the more we dig into regenerative thinking, the more we can try and understand all those different elements before something really bad like the pandemic happens. And instead, 
be thinking about those things regularly so that we are more prepared and are just creating a lot more good in the world from the actions that we're taking within businesses or within communities. Talking about preparation and and I'm going to change gears a little bit. You travel extensively. What are some tips? It's it's summer season. Things are gearing up for a lot of people to take big trips. What are some tips, pro tips you recommend for someone who's getting ready to hit the road or, or get on an airplane or travel on a boat? Summer is always an incredibly busy time because so many of us have the time to travel. So that can be really exciting. I just, you know, I just like to encourage people as they start to think about their travel plans and book travel plans to just take a moment in the planning process to think about some of these sustainability aspects and think about in your context, what could you do to make your trip a a little bit more sustainable, whether that's from an environmental perspective or by, you know, supporting a local guide, a local community, a farm-to-table restaurant, how can you take your dollars and make sure that it's, it's benefiting a lot of people in the community that you're going to? And, you know, on the over-tourism topic, also thinking about the fact that you're going to people's homes. And it's mm. a trip for you, but there are many people who <laughs> live there. That's true. And just... And just thinking about and treating it as such, you know, how would you act if you were going to someone else's home and just really internalizing that? We know that there are impacts from travel and many of those impacts need to be managed by local governments and the travel industry in partnership. But there are things that we can do as individual travelers as well to make our travel a bit more regenerative and and not be, you know, a part of such an extractive industry, which it is in many places. Oh, Shannon Burns, I want to thank you so much for taking the time today. There's so many topics. I feel like I need to, to get back in touch with you and just pick one of these topics we talked about today and do a show on that. I've... I would love that. I would love that, Corey. Thank you. Wow. Awesome interview. And by the way, there is a plan for at least one more interview with O'Shannon, perhaps focusing more on regenerative tourism, including some examples of specific ways you can implement this idea. For anyone working to address big challenges, O'Shannon offers excellent advice. Be interdisciplinary. Make connections with many different people across many different areas of expertise, engineering, social sciences, people with knowledge and experience who can all come together to solve issues. Hey, we know we can't predict the future, but we can plan for possibilities and long-term strategies so that we can, as O'Shannon perfectly stated, be prepared for issues that may arise and create more good in the world from the actions that we're taking within businesses and communities. You know, that's what busy work strives to highlight as we always work to help you mind your business. <laughs>